1: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA's Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
2: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Live from Beacon Theatre, StarTalk Radio. Uh, So, Richard, when I was in college, my freshman year, I attended a full-year course on art and and design, one of the more influential courses of my life. And we spent the first month or two drawing nudes. And that was fun, I, I thought. But it became clear to me immediately that the... Beauty of the human body is a highly overrated concept. <laughs> These were like regular people coming in taking off their clothes.
3: And so <laughs> you can pick who you draw, you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: As I saw this, I'm thinking if I had control of the body, I would have made some changes evolutionarily. So, can I get you to comment on the difference between how much praising we do of the human body, and how much critique should go
4: alongside it if we were honest about ourselves. The famous cases are things like the retina being backwards. It's a historical accident, but the retinal cells, the light-sensitive cells in the vertebrate retina, but not in the octopus retina, they all point backwards. So it's as though you designed a digital camera with the pixels and the forest of wires, the photocells, are all pointing backwards away from the image, and the wires have to run over the surface of the light-sensitive screen. With
5: that said, Richard, I'm not sure that's what Dr. Tyson was driving at. When you looked at the models there in art class, you weren't thinking, those retinal cells, (laughs) doggone it. Changes yeah. could have been okay, made. Well, then, Why aren't no, they more
2: like objects? No, no, being erudite no. in his let example. That's cool. Me, let me, I can okay. give a more basic example. I'm it's looking some plumbing. at this. They're facing all different directions, they're bending over, you know, and I'm thinking.
1: <laughs> I'm we, not have
2: sure
3: we have a human body
2: that, where between our legs, we have an entertainment system in the middle of a sewage complex. Okay? <laughs> so, any engineer would not have designed that.
5: I'm certain. Plus the fuel tank, the nozzle for the fuel tank is right next to the air filter. I mean, stuff's going to go wrong. So some
2: percentage of us choke to death. We're alive like in spite of our body's design. Yes. And, And there's a great video, which I highly recommend, where you
4: autopsy a
6: giraffe. Oh, yeah.
4: There's a nerve, which is one of the cranial nerves, and it starts in the brain and the end organ is the larynx, the voice box. But in this nerve, it's called the recurrent laryngeal. Instead of going straight to the voice box, it goes down into the chest, loops around one of the main arteries in the chest, and then goes straight back up again to the larynx. In a giraffe, that is a very significant... (laughs) ...diversion.
2: (laughs) Could you just say that again? That was just so... it's
4: like the British understatement, right? <laughs>
2: say okay. it again. in a giraffe, just okay. I want to hear that again. No, no, no,
4: I can't repeat the exact words, but only yesterday I was doing an episode. <laughs> Do you know the wonderful Mr. Deity? The, oh, the see, we've seen,
2: I've seen videos. Brian Dalton. Yeah, Brian yeah, Dalton. Okay. There there go, yeah, yeah. Brown Dalton.
4: He had me on, and I was arguing with him as God about what a lousy job he'd done. <laughs> and this question of the recurrent laryngeal nerve of the giraffe came up. And he said the way in it his, does. <laughs> and he said in his wonderful sort of whiny voice, but you know, we had a surplus of laryngeal nerves, we didn't know what to do with it, so we had to use it. And, and <laughs> it is a very uneconomical thing, and of course the explanation is history. The explanation is that in the ancestors, when this nerve originally started in our fish ancestors... A vertebrate ancestors. Yes, in a fish. The end organ of this nerve is straight across. It doesn't have to go south into the, into the chest, it goes straight. It is the most direct route. And then as the land vertebrates developed a neck, fish don't have a neck, as the neck lengthened, the marginal cost of slightly increasing the length of the diversion was very small in every, every generation. We just added a tiny fraction of a millimetre to the diversion. It, it wasn't, as it were, a great increase in cost. Whereas the cost of jumping it over the blood vessel and making it go straight to the, to the larynx would have been probably some major embryological upheaval. When we were dissecting... In other words, you'd have to disconnect it
5: Reroute it and reconnect yes, it. So this it, is a great a, insight. is It has a to work. A, e, all of our ancestors had to work at each stage. Yes, that's right. This they is an amazing it,
4: thing. It, that, it, it's a very important uh, part. How
2: long is the,
5: is the nerve in the giraffe? I mean, you've
4: got to see this three meters. You, you, you know how long a giraffe's neck is. I mean, it, the larynx is right near the head, where you should um, be. And we dissected this nerve. Duverne had already died. Let me the, just yeah, yeah, clarify. It, it, yeah. It had already died, and, and the nerve went <laughs> the awesome. within a, within an inch of the larynx. I mean, you'd think it would be so easy just to just to say, oh well. I mean, any engineer would immediately have said, well, obviously that's where it goes. It, it, it goes within an inch of the larynx. It goes on and on and on and on and on, down, down, down the neck, and then round this artery, and then back, 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 back up to where where it started. And it is something that no engineer would co- countenance. So it would be, you just send it straight
5: back, which is what... <laughs> <laughs> so the whole the idea is... The big idea in evolution, Neil, uh, and everybody, is it's bottom up. It is not, there's not a designer at the top that uh, showed up and routed the giraffe larynx wire. It just had to work at every stage. You had talk about... Um, piston engine becoming a, a jet engine, engine. and yeah, yeah. In, in, yes. uh, i like, another example is, you know, a grocery cart you take to a fairway market or something with two wheels? Bill is now a New York resident, so <laughs> <laughs> he is fairway fluent. <laughs> yes,
2: go Bill. So imagine
5: you took that and made it into a bicycle. But yeah. every at every stage you go to make it into a bicycle, the wheels will be here uh, across from each other. Then they have to be end to end or in tandem. Every stage that you do has to work. And you and can't just throw carts. away. You can't th- yeah.
4: throw away the design and start again. It's, and it's, got just, to, it's got to. It is really once
2: you see it, you go, wow, dude. Okay, so how about this? So now, what, what impresses you about the human body?
5: Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. i Neil. T- t- no, 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 no. There are now there are now seven point two billion of us. Yes. So whatever it is, it works really well. I mean well, I, te- I tell you what I mean what, what impresses
4: me about the, the, the body of almost any animal is how elegantly beautiful it is from the outside. If you look at a lion, a cheetah, a gazelle, these are beautiful machines. They're high speed, fast-running either predators or running away from predators. And yeah. they, Gazelles. they oh, gaz- ah. Yeah. I mean they, they they are very beautiful things and, and we all think they are, they are beautiful. But if you cut them
5: open, it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> the same is true of cars and yeah. rockets and airplanes. Yeah. Luke They're Skywalker so... figured this out, yeah. you know, mm. on the ice planet. Yeah, he did.
4: There's an there's another oh, nice example. I thought it was Luke. Excuse me.
3: Uh-oh. <laughs> Feel that nerd rage. Oh, my God. <laughs>
4: there's, a, there's another... Let's n- open uh, and guts spill all out. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. An- another nice example, which is a bit like the recurrent laryngeal, the, the, the tubes that connect the testes to the penis.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, they don't go by the most direct route. They go up
5: and a, they loop around...
3: Mine, mine hang down. <laughs> <laughs>
6: they,
5: they go, Just that the prostate gland gets involved. They, like,
6: what's well, that, that's there. even Why? worse.
4: But, yeah.
5: but, um, they, they, they go up and
4: they loop around the tube that comes from the bladder. And that, again, is a historical accident. It's, it's is
1: exactly that because that's t- where fish had their balls? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... You're cool with what animals look
4: like on the outside, but when you cut them open, it's nasty, ugly stuff. I mean, if you look at the inside a car, the exhaust manifold, the tubes, all kind of kind in a nice, neat row, don't they? Whereas, yeah. if you look at the similar thing, the main artery leading off the heart, it's sort of it's vaguely similar, but it's just not well designed.
2: Okay, how about all this other stuff that goes on, like male pattern baldness? Where
4: does that come from? Well anything that tends to characterise age. The longer you've lived, the greater your chance of already having passed your genes on. And so, we're all descended from an unbroken line of people who lived long enough to reproduce. Very few of us are descended from ancestors who were very old when they reproduced. So there's no sexual selection? Not just sexual selection, but any kind of selection is weaker the older you get because you've already passed the genes on. I mean, if you think about a more unpleasant example like getting cancer, a gene that makes you get cancer when you're 50 has already been passed on by the time you reproduce. A gene that makes you get cancer when you're 10 has never been passed on. Mm-hmm. So we we'll lead and so a very the, short life. So the older you get, the more likely you are to be hit by lethal genes which have slipped through the net
5: this is part of what I was calling good enough you're good enough your eyesight, my eyesight is good enough to get us this far
1: basically (laughs) bald people have sex when they're 20 and no one knows they're going to be bald
3: Yeah. So, (laughs) so, so. so if you don't have kids before you go bald you never will <laughs> yes. Baldness is very
4: fashionable
5: nowadays. Just I was going to say, ladies, bald. help me out. You, yeah. Some guys rock the bald thing, right? Yeah.
3: By, well, I thought my ladies yeah. Those, Those women, women clapping are yeah, married to yeah. bald guys.
1: <laughs> I'm sure Vin Diesel is still sexually active.
3: <laughs>
2: so let me ask as we go forward in time, what becomes of organs that are not? You know, vestigial organs, so your appendix, perhaps. The toenail on your pinky toe, of what possible value is that ever going forward? Probably well, of not. what yeah, possible... People still put toenail polish on. Okay, I've seen so women with, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the tiniest little nail and but a toenail polish on. <laughs>
5: Let me turn the question around two okay, ways. Okay, turn it around. First of all, what's the cost of having that? Does it hold you back some way?
1: It's why I can't be president. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and that there's no cost to it, it'll just persist. Secondly... But it won't persist forever because you, you can have copying errors that don't... Do you think it would inhibit a woman's chance of hooking up if she showed up without a pinky toe?
2: <laughs> if her picture on <laughs> or Tinder
5: <a> man. <laughs> was of her toes and she was missing a toe, I think no, but that would on. be a pass. But on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's no. take it. I'm just <laughs> thinking. not <you>. no, no. <laughs> Let's take a summer day in Central Park, where the women are rocking their sandals, right? And they've got their toes painted and all that stuff, and a woman shows up with no pinky. You don't think a guy would give a chin stroke and maybe veer off on that? I don't know.
4: I think you underestimate the... Um
5: <laughs> <laughs> I you don't, oh, well, don't underestimate it. I have tremendous <laughs> respect for it.
1: It's like, like the, the dating traditional day. science.
4: People have done, Haldane and Stebbins and people have done mathematical calculations on this question of something being too trivial to matter. If you put into the equations of evolution an assumption that something utterly trivial, like a tiny little toenail or lack of a pinky, and you set a value on the selective pressure against it, you you make it as low as you like, and then you calculate how many generations it would take at that low selection pressure to eliminate it. And Haldane did it. J.B.S. Haldane. J.B.S. Haldane. And it came to something like 12,000 generations if you set it at a value so trivial that you couldn't detect it in fieldwork.
5: 12,000 is not that many.
4: That's right. Uh, Um, uh. That's the point. Stebbins did a calculation. How long would it take a species of mouse-sized animals if they were subjected to relentless pressure to get bigger, how long would it take to become as big as an elephant? If you assume that the pressure to get bigger is so trivial that it's impossible to detect in ordinary field experiments, so you've got field biologists going around catching mice, measuring them, and it's in the noise level. Mm -hmm. They can't detect it. So Stebbins set the selection pressure at this very low level. You put it in the noise. You put it in the the noise, and then... He calculated how long it would take to become elephant sized and I forget the result, but the point was that it was <laughs> so fast that you wouldn't detect it on the paleontological timescales. It would look like an instantaneous change.
1: Uh, paleo- how how much geological- would you have to scare mice to make them much bigger? Like said I, not me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> like so, how long is it? No, this
2: this is a fascinating point. Yeah. 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 So, so it's why you can look in the fossil record. Yes, and, and see it, a T. Rex that's this it, big.
4: Exactly. And, but there's no half a T. Rex. Exactly. Right. There's a mismatch between what field biologists can measure on the one hand, it's in the noise, and what uh, fossil hunters can measure on the other hand. And uh, now it probably doesn't I mean usually there are intermediates, but if there are not, then you can appeal to Stebbins's calculation.
1: So and how many generations about, if it's 12,000 for people? I think
4: it's two. Well,
1: um... Is there, is there a similar yeah. estimate for how many generations? It uh, takes I've for forgotten
4: the figure, but I mean, it, it, it's in the tens of thousands, which is, which is, yeah. a, which is an eye blink on the, on the geological time yeah, scale. Yeah, totally. Okay.
2: So uh, let me end this segment with a question for you to address. Different people give different answers to this. I want, an, I want your answer. Are we getting smarter or stupider? Because <laughs> sometimes I don't, I
4: don't know. I am completely baffled by the Flynn effect.
2: The what effect? The Flynn effect. Okay. Yes.
4: Named after a man called Flynn.
2: I was going to uh, guess that. Yeah. yeah. But it was a
4: man, not a woman. It was a man, actually. Right. Yeah. And Flynn, he's a psychologist who's been studying IQ. Now, IQ is actually standardized so that the average is 100, but he allowed for that. And he finds that over the course of the 20th century... Average IQ has been going up massively. And I must say, I don't notice it. (laughs) 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 But the data seem to be there, and I wish it were true.
5: (laughs) Okay. um... Uh Okay. what it oh, may come God. down to is being smart may not be of that great value. Of yeah, yeah, that's, oh, right. yeah, that's right. where that's I was good. going to go with this. Compared your so, ability to so, resist we germs. That's we true. tell
2: ourselves that being smart gives us an advantage. Where I'm thinking, if being smart gave you an advantage, there'd be many more other, what we would think of as smart yeah. animals yeah. in yeah. the tree of life. Yes. And in apocalyptic Earth we're extinct, a whole lot of other animals rise up in our place, and no one ever accused them of being smart. So, can you comment on the
4: value of being smart with regard to evolutionary survival and natural selection? We were talking earlier about the number of times things have evolved, and eyes have evolved 40 times. Linguistic intelligence, the sort of intelligence we have where we can actually formulate philosophical thoughts, has only evolved once, and didn't evolve until the world had been around for more than 4 billion years. And I tweeted on this recently. Did you? Yes. Yeah, with regard to farm animals. I was just wondering
2: if farm animals when they're just chewing their cud, if they're contemplating the history and fate of the universe. If they have theories of the universe that they're thinking about. So, and then I wondered if the farm animals wondered the same about us.
5: Yeah. So, I, I'd like it, to think so. I've speculated on this a lot and I've spoken with My dog friends about it. (laughs) And by that I mean my friends who are dogs. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Not the people. And what I get from them is just a couple of things, really. Food. Food. Squirrel. Food. Food. Are you you a girl dog? Food. Are you a girl? Food. And I've spoken to dolphins. I was in Hawaii. They let you hang out with dolphins.
1: Yeah, do dolphins tell stories? It doesn't seem like it. Or not good stories. No. I don't and think and so. you know,
5: like we build libraries and theaters. I don't know if they've even. I'm, remi- I'm reminded
2: of a comic where two dolphins are swimming together, commenting on the humans up on the, on the deck. Sure. Thing. And, yeah. And one dolphin says to the other, they face each other and make noises, but it's not clear whether they're actually communicating. <laughs>
0: Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.
7: I have a burning question. Oh, sure. My mother told us a story when I was younger that, like, there was a shipwreck off Japan and there was, like, only men and a baby on the raft. And then one of the men was able to lactate to feed the baby. Um, because she said he, fe- you know, like the baby was crying and then, so, you know, like it was like, so, and somehow he was like able to produce milk. But I don't know. But like I know men have nipples. I don't know.
2: Yeah, the variation on
4: that is what's up with men's nipples? Yeah. Okay.
1: And yeah. also um, that man was John F. Kennedy.
4: Yeah. Um, m- men's nipples, because embryologically we start out the same. But the question of males lactating, a great biologist, John Maynard Smith, ended one of his papers with the single aphoristic question, why don't male mammals lactate? And there are anecdotal stories of this type, which I think are probably true. I believe that I could do the following experiment. I think that if you were to get some men and (laughs) stimulate them with...
2: (laughs) I don't know where that finger is going to go.
4: All right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Are you giving a very long version of yes, it's okay, possible?
4: L- let me start again. You could probably make males lactate by giving them hormone injections. So you do that, and then you breed from those males who need the least amount of hormone injection in order to lactate. To selectively breed. And, and, and this would And wake you up. gradually, as the generations go by, you gradually wean them off the hormone injections. And, and this is actually a, a quite an instructive illustration of something called the Baldwin effect. The Baldwin effect? Baldwin effect, yes. Where
1: well, you get very angry? <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> the We're idea Baldwins is... The that live in the city. The, yeah, They're okay. Famous actors. Um, the idea is that originally a change comes about through a non-genetic means, through, say, learning, or through, in this case, hormone injections. Mm-hmm. And that exposes genetic variation, which was not otherwise visible. And so in this case, the hormone injection is exposing that certain males are a bit more likely to lactate than others, but they don't, <laughs> but they don't have the opportunity to do so until you get the hormone injection. Okay. And so you use the hormone injection as a way of bringing to the surface genetic variation, which was there all the time.
2: But um, unexpressed. That, that's an interesting way to manipulate the genome. Mm-hmm. I guess we've been doing that with wolf genes from the beginning, and creating the whole diversity of dogs, Mm. getting the one that's slightly more friendly, that's not going to bite you, Mm. that's a little cuter, that's smaller, Mm. and we go from a wolf to a Pomeranian, right? In just two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Call now. What about... I'm just thinking the wolf, if the wolf sees a Pomeranian, I'm just wondering, what is the wolf thinking? Like, that we must be completely messed up as humans to take a wolf gene and turn it into a puffball. So, so... In that vein, I'm wondering, if we can manipulate genomes in this way, how real is Jurassic Park? Or, more disturbingly, how real would any eugenics movement be, given the control we now have or the access
4: we now have to the human genome? You're making a distinction between manipulating genes directly and doing it by selection. The way you turn a wolf into a Pomeranian is by selection. It's just the artificial equivalent of natural we selection. Could and we could do that with humans. We could do that with humans. There's no question about that we could do it with, with humans. If you really wanted to breed a human equivalent of a Pomeranian, you could do it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> Kardashian joke? Anyone? <laughs> no? I'm about praying love. Isn't that what Hitler was attempting?
4: It is, yes. It, it is what Hitler was attempting. He was attempting to make these dreadful you know, tall, blonde, blue-eyed? I'm right here.
6: All right?
4: Uh, Right.
1: (laughs) Hitler wanted to create a comic that (laughs) exclusively jokes about food. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) 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 It's odd if he's trying to breed blonde-haired people because
4: he had black hair, last I checked.
2: That's just an odd fact to me. So, right, there's selective breeding... You could, you could do selective
4: breeding, or you could do the other half, which is the mutational part, you could induce mutation. You'd have to know a lot more genetics than you know at present, but the, the time will stop, come.
2: Nothing's in the way. Again.
4: No. Uh, right,
2: and so, is that in our future?
4: Should it be in our future? Should is a Who different question for me. It? It it, it, well, that's a political question,
2: and,
3: it and should probably and, be up to me.
1: What sort of stuff would we be able to do if we genetically manipulated people, and would it be like, you, awesome or you, weird? Yes,
4: I mean, if you wanted to uh, make a brilliant musician, uh-huh. you might be able to, d- to do that. Oh, really? Not yet. No. At, at, at present, the, the most you can do is no. You, no, you wouldn't make a brilliant
2: musician. You'd make a person who could be a brilliant exactly, musician, yeah, but they yeah, have yeah. to want to do who that. Who that. genetically yeah, was predisposed to, that. to jamming. They still to practice, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But
2: notice that you don't know.
3: But you, for every musician you tried to make, you'd make a lot of baristas, right? <laughs>
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. so,
3: <laughs> <laughs> which is where the morality comes in. <laughs> so, but I that? love coffee, so we should do it. <laughs> So Any another
5: question, it? though, yeah. is what is of the greatest value? What trait do you want to select for? And it may be that the best thing to have in 50 years is resistance to Ebola virus. Yeah. That may be, like, actually much better than If you smart, rank
2: what it is we can...
5: What's useful and what's going to be passed forward, rather than blue eyes, blonde hair, or
4: yeah, whatever the I- ha- Glasses. That's right. <laughs> There yes. is uh, Genetically <laughs> engineered people with not-great vision. <laughs> so, yeah. there, there is genetic resistance to AIDS, and I actually did a television documentary in which I went to Nairobi, where... You are
2: born in South Africa, right? I was
4: born in, 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 Kenya. Oh, Kenya, in Kenya, yeah. Kenya. Uh-huh. I, Let's I went, see your
2: birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs>
4: As you know, AIDS is a very, very serious epidemic in Africa. And there is a population of prostitutes in Nairobi who are resistant to AIDS. And I went with this television Are they immune? Yes. Or it's easier on them? I think they're immune.
1: They don't get HIV. The the other way
4: they, they get HIV, but it doesn't do anything to them. Yeah. So we'll have yeah.
2: HIV and it doesn't manifest as age. I, I think that's the, right. That's I, I, I,
4: okay. I'm, I'm not sure if that's right. But I went and interviewed, for television you just interview one person, you don't do a statistical sample, and I interviewed one Nairobi prostitute, and I asked her how long she'd been in that profession, and she said 20 years, and, and I said, what about all the friends who started at the same time as you? She said, they're all dead. They all died of AIDS. And I said, well, why do you think you didn't die? And she said, I think God must be looking after me. So I said, well, why didn't God look after all your friends? (laughs) And she said, well, I can't answer that. But I'll tell you this, God is extremely fond of condoms.
3: (laughs) Wow. Wow.
7: And so what was what her feeling? So, like, is this group of women who work as prostitutes, are they, like, being studied by... Like, yes. Th- there's how a have ca- they figured it out Is the first place?
4: There's a Canadian team working on them and working
3: on... the. <laughs> <laughs> almost <laughs> any verb. During this interview with a prostitute. Any,
7: uh,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but that's, incre- that's incredible
7: that they've survived. That's just...
5: Well, it's not incredible in the biggest of pictures. This is to say it is not unreasonable that somewhere, somebody's going right. to have resistance to this virus. A, 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 a mutation mm-hmm.
4: which gives you resistance and it survives. Isn't and the that?
5: greatest diversity of human
2: genes is still in Africa. Yeah. So, when I look at the animal kingdom, I say, all right, there's a newt that can regenerate its tail. And there's a snake that can see in the infrared. And I'm looking at this talent, this biological talent, expressed in the genetics of animals that we don't have as humans. So if there is a common ancestor between humans and newts, should there be some gene within us, or some gene insertable to us, that we can turn on and then be able to regenerate limbs first for army
4: veterans? I do know that the genes for smelling things which so many other mammals have we've got most of those genes but they're turned off and so our ancestors must have been able to smell as well as dogs or maybe not quite but certainly as well as other mammals and we seem to have lost that ability but the genes are still there in vestigial form.
1: But is it because we live in cities now and it's probably best that way? No it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not turn them on too much in New York. (laughs)
2: Okay, I think we're genetically closer to dogs than we are to newts, I presume, so is it harder to find where the gene is for regenerating limbs? Is it deep in us somewhere, or is that just so vestigial as to be I'm not sure
4: that you'd be right to call it a gene in that case. I think there's probably something deeply buried in the kind of embryology that we have than newts have, which would make it but R-
5: Richard, also, I mean, this was the charm, the amazing, the potential. Everybody was so excited about stem cells. Yes. Right. That if you knew what you were doing, you could get stem cells to make anything. Yes. Yep. New well, maybe. hips, new knees, yes. new arms, Actually, and so on. that's right. Yes. As I understand it, the problem is the cloning of Dolly the sheep was done mechanically. These guys got this fantastically fine pipette and they poked it into the uh, cell, which was from a mammary cell, and that's why they called her Dolly. I'm not joking. (laughs) And uh, they poked the DNA into the cell and it fused and grew, right? Yeah. And so that technique, that cloning technique, would be exactly the same technique that you would use to affect any stem cell. And this caused lawmakers, at least in the US, to, if I may, like totally freak. And so that's why stem cell research was generally put to a halt. And uh, let me go on to ramble that you don't want to
3: clone yourself. Why? Yeah.
1: Imagine how fun we, it we would be. We
3: shouldn't clone that jacket of yours either. Yeah. But. Uh. I like it. Uh, it's a radio show. Uh, LAUGHTER
5: But the jacket, some people like the jacket.
3: I think a lot of people. Yay! Yay! But
5: if you were to clone yourself, then this new person that you created would be genetically identical to you, would not have the great advantage that you get with sex. And with sex, you get a new combination of genes, and it is one very good theory of why you want a new combination of genes is because your enemies are not lions and tigers and bears or wolves. Your enemies are germs and parasites, are Spanish flu and Ebola. In that vein,
2: Richard, do you have friends who want to reconstruct the flu virus from 1918?
5: Well,
4: I'm sure that there are probably... Your answer wasn't no to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not friends. There are germ warfare possibilities, which are horrific, and cloning the 1918, whatever it is, 1919 flu virus would be... A horrible thing to do but we have
5: the power to do that Hold on, but isn't that virus still extant? by I the way know. this this virus killed more people with 50 million estimates vary 50 million people many many more than were killed by fighting in world war one yeah. yeah in the same winter factor two
1: yeah is it still Th- out there
5: well, that's what i'm not seeing. sure
1: I, I i don't know that why
5: would it disappear aren't we all descendants of people who could handle that by handle it. Mean, yes, I yeah, guess yeah. live through it. So oh, go yeah, go ahead,
2: make yeah. your flu. I don't yeah. care. Mm. <laughs> no, most of the people that it killed already had sex and babies. It took out the top end of the it, age distribution. I think it
5: took young. I think
2: it. It, t- it also did that. But yeah. I mean, yeah. when I've
5: been to cemeteries in uh, Seattle, we did a show on it. and There's a lot of kids that were killed that yes. winter. People six, yeah. seven years yeah. old. How many people, may I ask? How many people have had a flu shot this season? How many people? How many people have not?
2: Mm. I sim- so when I grew up, I swam in the Hudson River. Okay. So,
5: <laughs> okay, I, I don't got need you, a shot Neil. To I know. From anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sentiment. But let's say hypothetically, everybody, there were a vaccine for Ebola. How many people would not want it because you just don't believe in vaccines, Neil? <laughs> So wouldn't everybody want it?
1: Yeah. I think everyone yeah, yeah, would want it. it. And whoever okay. So
5: in a similar okay. vein, I ride the subway, I meet people. I would just assume you all got flu
3: vaccinations. Yeah, so you're saying, why wouldn't someone get the flu vaccine, right?
5: Well, we wonder why people don't get vaccines.
7: It's just like, you just get so busy and...
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, over, that's a good reason. Yeah.
4: But it's a, it's a serious point that it, it, it's not just protecting yourself, it's protecting the herd, because... The whole thing about epidemiology is that if you can get a sufficiently large number of people immunized, an epidemic won't get going. And so it is actually anti-social.
3: <laughs> not I'll get to... a flu shot, I just haven't had a chance. <laughs> so, so I got a flu shot, so I'm a good guy. Yeah. Well, you're on
5: this side of it. Yeah. Good or bad, just, you know, I don't know, man.
7: But I'm sorry, he can't get the flu now, can he?
5: Can't get this year's flu. Yeah. Unless a new one evolves, mm-hmm. which, which can happen very and you can get infected when, with it's that. It's like
3: cell phones. Whenever you buy the one, then they... <laughs>
7: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
0: Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.
2: So Richard, if we have control over the, the genetics of ourselves, of our food supply, I presume this is a good thing, but is there a downside to it? Might we be experimenting incompetently, ultimately making a mistake we would later regret?
1: Like tomatoes that are wolves. <laughs> well, yeah, but Is like, there?
5: like fish genes tomatoes. and tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not kidding. So George Washington, apparently, uh, Richard George Washington was. Uh, <laughs> George you hey, hey, like George it when you was hear the story. Eight,
4: uh, <laughs> <laughs> My ancestor, General Sir Henry Clinton, commanded British forces in the American Revolutionary War. So.
3: And you're proud of that? Unwitted. It's <laughs> a fact. So, so you're bragging about him fighting in the Revolutionary War with... We didn't with say the,
1: which side. Oh. Which yeah. <laughs> side? Everyone here at first was British.
3: So, so the deal
5: is, George Washington bred wheat, took pollen from one wheat stalk and shook it onto the eggs, the ova of another one, to try to hybridize, or he did, I guess, hybridize wheat. And we still do that. And that's intra-species, if I may say. That is within a species. Mm-hmm. But then, when people take genes from a fish that is real good in cold water and put it in tomatoes to try to get the tomatoes to be real good on cold days, that's when you're kind of crossing a line, right? Yes. So, here's what... You can know what'll happen to the tomato, but you can't know exactly what'll happen to the ecosystem that the tomato is in. And so, the the famous couple of cases were this with the corn. In the U.S., we're crazy for our corn, Richard, we, we love our corn. And uh, we had the European corn borer insect was eating the corn. Thank you. And,
3: uh, <laughs> and uh, these, guys took took
5: these people took the gene from a virus in the soil and put it in the gene of the corn. And when the corn borer eats the corn, the corn crystallizes and the corn borers die.
3: Bah! <laughs>
5: They also messed around so that you could spray the corn with this crazy, super-strong weed killer, Roundup. And that was great, the corn could tolerate that, but the milkweed, which lives in the same cornfield, couldn't. And so the problem there, anyone? Right. Monarch mm-hmm. butterflies. So monarch butterflies, like any butterfly, love milkweed pollen. And so when you killed all the mil- or a lot of the milkweed, there was huge concern. That you would wipe out the monarch butterfly population. Everybody likes monarch butterflies; they're so cool. They fly around, mm-hmm. and they're probably pollinating like because to... they're beautiful. Yeah, that way.
2: Yeah. And, a...
5: and they do extraordinary things. And uh, I've watched them; they fly really. They can fly upwind.
2: That's an example of there might be unintended consequences. unintended
5: consequences. So, 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 with, so we have are... huge monocultures, yeah, that, which we call yeah. Iowa. The corn in Iowa goes on for a long time. If you ever drive or ride your bicycle across Iowa, you will not miss it. (laughs) And if we did something to make that enormous crop not survive by accident, that could be huge trouble, huge trouble.
4: So the general lesson would be that if you mess around with anything, you may destroy an ecosystem, but that doesn't particularly apply to putting fish genes in tomato plants. Not specifically but, so, that's that, right. No, I mean it, that we know right. of. You, you have to be careful with anything you do. Yeah. It's, it's not just...
5: Putting but it what in. could we have a rule? Okay to breed within a species, but you got to do some super crazy diligent testing to breed between species. should always test.
4: Always, yeah. I'm not sure that's the right division. I mean, I'm not sure that between... What the, is it? Then? I don't know. I mean, I think that... Well, jet- let's do it anyway. The, 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 ah, the, uh, the, the, the precautionary it. principle where just be very, very careful whatever you do. I wouldn't make the divide between intra and inter-specific. Oh,
2: really? Thing. Okay. Huh? favorite line, I was told, it appeared in a Kurt Vonnegut novel. I, I don't remember which one. Where it, <coughs> it postulates, what's the last sentence ever spoken on Earth? It's... Let's try it this way. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and that gets into this verb that it should work. Yeah. <laughs> is there still
2: enough natural selection going on so that we'll be the strongest? Or will we meddle with our genes so that tomorrow natural selection is irrelevant? We will so, it, make what Neil, we it's wants? not
5: being the strongest, it's fitting in the bestest. It's not yeah. being the greatest weightlifter. It's making sure you, you well, fit I'm in the. I'm talking about vehicle. forces here. What, what yeah. is the, okay.
2: Of all the things that could affect our ge- us genetically, what is the greatest among them?
4: Selection is still going on with us. So but what way um, are we but, evolving? Well, probably we're being selected by viruses, by bacteria, that kind of thing. Probably we're evolving,
2: but we're not species. We're, we're
4: probably no longer being selected to get brainier. But, I mean, clearly in the last two or three million years, there's been selection for us to get bigger brains and to get cleverer. That's clearly happened if you look at the fossils. And so, during that time, it must have been the case that the brainiest individuals survived and reproduced. In order for that still to be going on, it would be necessary that the brainiest individuals have the most children.
5: Okay, is it the most children, or the most children
4: that survive to have children? Well, that, of course. But it's enough to point out that there's absolutely no reason to think that being clever makes you likely to have lots of children, quite the reverse. In fact, the film, (laughs)
2: Idiocracy built the entire plot line on that very premise. Yeah. 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 Because people who are highly educated and call themselves smart, and other people would call them smart, they, like, delay having children, and then they might not have children. And meanwhile, others are just having
4: babies. The babies are just popping out.
2: And so, if that tendency is heritable,
4: then. But Martin Rees, who more or less typifies the great and the good in British science, he's the president of the Royal Society and all that sort of stuff, he has written a book in which he gives the human species a 50% chance of making it through this century, really? the 21st century. Um, possibly going extinct then. Yes. He's worried about massively powerful weapons falling into the hands not of vaguely responsible governments, but falling into the hands of... um,
1: Like New Hampshire?
4: (laughs) Well... (laughs) Well, um, terrorists. Terrorists.
2: New Hampshire. So we self-destruct.
4: The principle of deterrence, which is the nuclear standoff, presupposes that everybody wants the world to live and go on. Now we've got people who, for religious reasons, want to die.
2: Yeah, or or quite okay with dying. Yeah.
4: And so if they got their hands on a biological weapon, the normal deterrence might not apply. So that's in the calculation, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but
2: going forward again, the people, like you said, the, the genes that we'll go for are the ones who have the most children. And Jim, h- how many kids do you have?
3: I have five, but I haven't talked to my wife in an hour, so...
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Could be more. So, so Jim, you earlier in this yes.
2: show commented on your poor yes. eyesight. Yes. And your sun sensitive skin yes and your receding hairline (laughs) yeah you have the most children of any
3: of us here i'm good in bed he's also (laughs) um very good in bed he's a generous lover i'm a generous lover yeah no i i didn't plan to start my own nationality but (laughs) uh, it seemed like a good idea and
2: and, and, and bill nye you are who any one of us would choose to be the professor on Gilligan's Island, if anyone of us were caught on Gilligan's Island. Do we do I have agreement there? Okay. Uh, and Bill, I, you have how many children?
5: I don't have any. Yeah. But I still got my eye on Mary Ann.
3: Mary Ann uh, I'm still
2: thinking. Uh, uh, Mary Ann from Gilligan's Island, yes. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> So what was the point, Wait a minute. I mean, It was a point like, Therefore, Jim, you're a moron. You have five Dr. Kids. Tyson, you He's, have two he's the children. science king of the world. He has none. We're doomed. Is that the idea? <laughs> Let me tell you something. All right, here saying, I have a question. I have a question.
2: I'm picking this. If we're going to survive on a desert island and
3: make Le- radios out of
2: coconuts. I'm picking Bill. Okay? But if you just want to hook
1: up... You know I'm that Killing Island...
2: <laughs> what? Jim, what, what do you got? Jim.
3: You know, I, I do have a question for uh, this esteemed panel. I think that the overpopulation thing is a myth. I think it's an absolute myth. I Says a was- man with five children.
2: Yes.
3: yes, I do. But, you know, it's like, convince me otherwise. I've seen information that said that you can feed everyone it's not population it's delivering of food it's corruption you know what i mean no no
2: no no. we weren't here saying that having five kids was bad for the environment. No, saying no. Having five kids makes your genome more populous in the future than Bill's
3: genome. Yeah. That's all we're saying. You are oh, yeah. stating a fact. Yeah. Like, I'm really guilty about it. No but, no, but that's. No, I am. You, you did no, some great genome stuff. I did some great genome stuff. No, but I am curious because I think that there is this ongoing, like, you know, I have five kids and people, like, occasionally friends, and I, individually, I thought oh, uh, you know, there is this overpopulation crisis, but I did research into it, and it is a myth, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Well, it's surely true that
4: we can go on feeding more people for a while, but not indefinitely.
3: But isn't the population of the Earth going to reach a peak and then go back down? If, if everybody somebody's... keeps having five kids. But wait on. a minute. There's... <laughs> no, but I'm seriously... not proposing, but wait a minute. I'm having five kids, you're having none. How many kids do you have? I, I don't know. How no, many kids? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: zero. a traveling guy. A I mean, stand-up comedians. Yeah, our average is only yeah. It's like what, seven kids? For, all right. Maeve,
2: how many children do you have?
6: <laughs> None that I know of. None. Yeah. yeah. No, no. A woman can't get away with that sentence. Yes, she no, no that's uh right. <laughs> <just> believable.
2: <laughs> so Richard, in in a hundred years, a thousand, a million, will we recognize ourselves? In that future, or will we be so different from evolutionary drivers that we might have either more biological talent or perhaps
4: even less? Usually, you get new species when they split, when they speciate, and um, that's not going to happen with humans. Wait, because wait, don't tell
2: me we get new species when
4: they speciate.
6: That's yeah, like, no, when they're no, ice- no, no. isolated. <laughs> I need, need a better sense than um, that. When, when
4: populations are coming up... when they split, it would be quite difficult for humans to evolve a new species unless. A subset of humans was sent off to a different planet or so something. So, we're all interbreeding now? Yes, we're all interbreeding now. But if we set up colonies on Mars, for example, then it would be not unexpected that they might, in quite a long time, become a separate species which could no longer interbreed with us.
1: What if no one went to Australia for 2,000 years? Would that be easier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: That, that, all right. I'm just
1: throwing out an easier way to yeah. do this. Uh, I mean,
2: Australia has already done that experiment. Yeah. You have well, but
1: people keep flying there and hooking up.
2: No, no, I'm, I'm saying, but kangaroos don't keep flying there, right? Oh, right, Well, wow. So the animals in Australia
4: are some of the most exotic in the world. But that takes more than 2,000 years. Okay. okay.
2: So
1: would Martha's Vineyard be easier then?
4: <laughs> but is there something that we can hope
2: for? In, in, do you see any trend lines? You think about this all the time. We'd, we're doing other stuff while well, you're thinking about life. Is there some direction that you think uh, no, we won't become another species, perhaps, but the environment might put pressure on ourselves where some of us emerge, others don't, and there's some talent expressed within the genome itself so that in a million years we won't recognize.
4: I think cultural evolution is so much more important than biological evolution now. I mean, technology is changing so rapidly, and so that's what's really going to change, and that might include genetic engineering, genetic technology. So if we do come back in a thousand years and find ourselves different, it's more likely to have been engineered differences by human bioengineers rather than by the normal processes of evolution.
2: And if we become good shepherds of that legacy, there's some hope that we will be better to
5: ourselves, to our planet,
4: to the... Difficult to agree. among ourselves as to what would constitute better.
5: So it's reasonable along that line that you know, we have this urge to be altruistic, apparently observed in all sorts of species to help each other out. It could be that we will select for people that have a tendency to be better stewards of the earth. Mm. That is reasonable. Mm. And Another thing is certain, we are also selecting for people who think babies look cute. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And it could be we're selecting for people... Even when they're not cute.
7: <laughs> yeah. I think all babies are cute. What does that mean? See?
2: Yeah, people who don't think babies are cute don't have, don't have babies, right? That's how that is.
5: Yeah. Uh, so it could be we're selecting for people who have the resources to go to colleges and, what's it called, advanced degrees and still have babies later in life. We could be yes. selecting for that. Something like that, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah young professionals
2: Uh, i want to end it here thank you all for coming
7: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
0: Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now.